More than 2,000 farmers have joined an online platform aiming to help increase returns from their beef enterprises. They can use that data to prove out the value of those animals and get the best price for those animals. We'll hear from the founder of online platform Breeder shortly. And after last year's problems, how's the summer labour situation shaping up this year? It's still very early days to say exactly you know, how tough the labour market is going to be. Now we are going to need to recruit from the UK workforce. Tom Bradshaw, NFU Vice President, joins us in a moment. And Kit Dickinson from Openfield takes a look at the markets later. Unfortunately, no Sean Sparling this week. He's tested positive and has no voice. It's hard to imagine Sean with no voice. He messaged me during the week to say that he's kicked its bottom vigorously and in the words of Arnie, I'll be back next week. Good news and get well soon, mate. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. The AHDB has come under fire again this week with the potato sector following horticulture in voting by two to one in favour of abolishing the statutory levy. And the National Sheep Association has urged AHDB beef and lamb to listen to levy payers to avoid a similar fate. We'll have more on that and concerns over breeding stock exports to the EU with Phil Stocker, Chief Exec of the NSA, on next week's farming programme. The potato vote has been passed to the government for a decision on what happens next, although, as we reported last week, it's unlikely that any changes will come into force before next year due to limits on parliamentary time. Arla's milk price for April will increase by 1.4 pence per litre to 31.43 and 39.79 for organic. Arla says that the current outlook is stable, with good potential for further positive development, particularly in cheese, and lower milk production in Europe pushing butter and cream prices higher. And Red Tractor has launched a new advertising campaign this week, aiming to reach 45 million people promoting the scheme's food and farming standards. The campaign will run until May Bank holiday weekend. CEO of Red Tractor Jim Mosley said that over the course of the previous TV campaign, recognition amongst UK primary shoppers increased by nearly 17%. Now let's talk about working in farming. How easy is it to get started in agriculture? And after last year's difficulties with summer labour as a result of Brexit and Covid, is this year looking any better? Well, it's that time of year when young minds and their parents turn their thoughts to what happens when they finish school. Agricultural courses are available at Lincoln Uni, Rice Home College and elsewhere. There's plenty of detail as to what's available online. But what about apprenticeships? Tom Bradshaw is Vice President of the NFU. Tom, are farming apprenticeships readily available? I wouldn't say they are readily available. I think that it it can be quite difficult to find the right apprenticeship, but it is something that um, we've got the new Trailblazer framework, which is uh, being developed by government, and we are developing the right entry-level apprenticeships for for school leavers to join that scheme. So some will be available in the autumn, but the scheme is developing at the moment. So they're they're not available from from every um, education provider. Okay. Do do we know much detail about them as yet, or is it still really in discussion stage? It still is in discussion. I mean, yeah, we're looking at things like you know, general farm workers, livestock technicians, uh, and then a management level one as well. I mean, packhouse line managers, poultry technicians, crop technicians. You know, all the jobs that you would imagine are required on farm, and there will be apprenticeships being developed for all of them. Uh, but I'm not sure how widely available they will be this autumn, and they, uh, particularly who the provider would be over in Lincolnshire. Do we know when we might know more? We are expecting to know more imminently. 
Um, but I can't be absolutely precise as to when that's going to be. Let's turn to the summer labour market, which we know last year was kind of decimated really by Brexit and then Covid came along. Where are we with the, the projections for the summer market for this year, Tom? We've got our seasonal workers scheme, which is the seasonal workers pilot, which last year we had 10,000 people able to travel on. This year we've got 30,000 people will be able to travel. So we've got the end of free movement from the EU, which is adding a huge barrier because a lot of our um, migrant workforce has been coming from Eastern Europe. But we do have the support now of that seasonal workers pilot. It's still very early days to say exactly how tough the labour market is going to be. Now, we are going to need to recruit from the UK workforce. So anybody who's on furlough or been unfortunate to lose their job during the pandemic, there will be be the availability of work on farm. It will be a seasonal nature. You know, it is hard work, but there will be those jobs available uh, to supplement those other workers that will be coming in um, on the seasonal workers pilot. Tom, comments are often made about British workers not appreciating how hard it is on a farm, not really wanting to put the labour in, not turning up and all that kind of thing. Is all that true? The challenge for the UK workforce, I think, is far more complicated than saying they don't want like the hard work. I mean, a lot of our British workers have their roots down in society, so they're not as migratory as the seasonal workforce that, that comes in from overseas. Uh, so unless the job is within commuting distance of, of where they're living, it's actually very difficult for a UK worker to take the job up. And that, that puts a barrier in place, which, as I say, that migrant workforce doesn't have there. Um, but we did see a, a, a dramatic increase. I mean, less than 1% of the workforce is normally British. Uh, this year we had, it was over 6% at the end of the season. I mean, it did peak at sort of 10, even 15% earlier on uh, during the real peak of the crisis in May and June uh, and dropped off towards the tail of the season. So we did see a huge amount of interest from, from the UK public in actually doing their bit and sort of making sure that the food that was growing out in the fields was going to be harvested and, and make its way through to our plates, which was fantastic. I think there was also a real challenge that the, the tens of thousands of people that showed an interest uh, was whistled down very, very quickly to the hundreds and that were actually able to, to do the job and turned up to, to start on the, on the first day after being offered the role. So it created a lot of interest, a lot of people connected with how their food was produced, but didn't necessarily translate into the number of people that we needed on farm. The pilot scheme you're saying it should produce up to 30,000. Is that going to be enough, though? It would be pretty marginal. And... But we know that when the number's been set at 30,000, we've got EU settled and pre-settled status. So those who've already been working over here from Eastern Europe are, are able to travel back because they'll have their license effectively of, or their, their recognition of settled or pre-settled status. So the 30,000 will be supplemented by those uh, from Eastern Europe that have been here before. The real challenge comes for future years when we're not replenishing that Eastern European workforce. So the 30,000, if it is enough for this year, it doesn't mean it will be enough for next year because actually we're going to lose Eastern European workers as they go back home and and decide not to come back over here. Um, So it'll be marginal for this year. I think the big challenge is will we be able to get all of the 30,000 in because it's a dramatic expansion from 10,000 and there's quite a lot of time pressure uh, appointing new operators and making sure that we will be able to get those workers over here in time for the peak berry season. If a UK worker is interested in doing this this summer, where should they go? Where can they find out more? So the, the Pick for Britain website will still be live and has a lot of um, contacts to, to different organisations that are recruiting. Um, so I think that, that would be a good starting point. I mean, there's, 
uh, that it'll lead you to many of the um, producer organizations that we're recruiting directly. Um, and you know, that, that to me would be one starting point. The other, um, there will be, we are working with the uh, Department for Work and Pensions within government. And so actually, if you went to their uh, Job Seekers website, then that'll be another way of locating the, the roles that are available. Tom, thank you. That's NFU Vice President Tom Bradshaw. Lincolnshire Agricultural Society are reaching out to young people right now to spark their interest in food, the countryside and growing things, with activities perfect for the Easter holidays coming up in a few days' time. You could be a potato recipe creator with the Great Lincolnshire School's Taste Off. There's a chance to enjoy the great outdoors and connect with nature on your doorstep in their photography competition and they're setting you the challenge of researching, designing and creating a miniature show garden with the emphasis on reusing plastics. All you need to know is on the school's competition section at lincolnshireshowground.co.uk. Now, we've all suffered from slow broadband in our part of the world, and it's a problem affecting much of the countryside. The further you are away from a major conurbation, the worse it seems to get. And not just the standard internet applications, but it's slowing down the development of precision farming and other agri-tech that relies on speedy and reliable connectivity. Well, a little bit of good news this week, with the government announcing Project Gigabit, a five billion infrastructure project, to significantly speed things up. Contracts for the first areas will go to tender this spring, with spades expected in the ground in the first half of 2022. And the Gigabit Broadband Voucher Scheme is also being relaunched with up to £210 million to give people in eligible rural areas financial help to get Gigabit speeds. You can find details of that online at gigabitvoucher.culture.gov.uk. That's gigabitvoucher.culture.gov.uk. Technology was just one area covered on Yorkshire Bank, now Virgin Money's recent Taking the Pulse survey of more than 300 farmers. Brian Richardson is with us, Head of Agriculture for the UK at Virgin Money. Many of the responses indicated, not surprisingly, Brian, uh, negativity at the effects of COVID and uncertainty around lockdown. But were there any positives coming out of the survey? I think what we we were pleasantly surprised by really was the positive feeling amongst the agricultural population in terms of the future. There had been a lot of work done in terms of you know, looking at what that meant for the for the industry. The industry was, on our survey was fairly positive about the future. And I think having come through COVID and the challenge of that also, the positive side that farming, agriculture and food production perhaps had a bit more positive feel in the wider economy as well. Yeah, looking at it, more than half of customers saying that they are planning to invest in new technology, two thirds that will invest in automation equipment and things like that, precision farming, which we've talked about on the programme before. Uh, Three quarters of dairy farms want to invest in agri-tech, 30% saying they're going to increase the land, about a quarter of businesses saying they've diversified over the last year, despite everything that's been going on. That's quite good, isn't it? No, as I say, a lot of positives coming out there. I mean, I think uh, when we were looking at this survey, I think we were perhaps feeling as that quite a lot of farmers would, would be hesitant about the future and, and looking for perhaps more direction. But uh, actually, a lot of work's been going on in the background. I think certainly you know, the more progressive farmers, particularly in, in your part of the world, where great farming practice going on. We're seeing farmers really ahead of the game in terms of pushing forward 
looking at the opportunities from ag tech and, and the recognition, I think, that things will change quite dramatically and they need to be prepared for it. Uh, with that focus on food production while looking after the countryside. Uh, Brian, at the start, I introduced you as Brian Richardson from Virgin Money. Normally, I'd say Yorkshire Bank, Clydesdale Bank. What's gone on here? Have you changed jobs? <laughs> <laughs> no, certainly not. No, over two years ago, the Clydesdale Bank purchased uh, Virgin Money, and in the background, there's been a lot of transition going on, bringing the two businesses together. And over the last nine months, customers will have seen the high street start to change over to Virgin Money and the uh, business part of the bank changes over this month. So exciting for us internally. What does it mean for our customers? Well, Mm. I think, you know, our farming customers, we've got over 150 years of heritage uh, in terms of farming. We've got a fantastic agricultural team. And what this allows us to do, it gives us a bit more scale, which is always important, but it very much allows us to bring that heritage knowledge bank we've got across our managers right across the UK into uh, the Virgin Money business. So very much you know, a commitment to, to what we've always been doing. But I think the, the Virgin brand just gives us uh, a new view of the market, really, particularly on the high street in terms of moving forward. So very much bringing our heritage in in the farming sector forward into the uh, 21st century. Great stuff. Brian Richardson, now Virgin Money. Thanks for joining us once again on the Farming Programme. Thank you. More than 2,000 farmers have joined an online platform aiming to help increase returns from their beef enterprises. It's called Breeder, B-R-E-E-D-R, and it includes the UK's first long-term minimum price contract, which guarantees a secure return for farmers 24 months in advance. Let's find out more from Breeder's founder, Ian Wheel. Morning. Welcome to the Farming Programme. Morning. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with a bit of background. What is Breeder? Yeah, so Breeder is a technology company for livestock. It's a mobile app. It's a, a, also access through a web browser and your computer. And we're really helping farmers collect data on their farm by connecting to all of their waste scales and medicine kit. And then as well as that, and so they can run their farm and their livestock with the app, we also have a, a trading and marketing element to it where they can use that data to prove out the value of those animals and get the best price for those animals and they want to buy or sell animals through the platform. Are farmers not already doing this? Yeah, so farmers are collecting data and quite often they're collecting it on pen and paper, but Breeder was designed to really make the collection of all of their regulatory data and information really easy through the phone. So you can do things like scan a medicine bottle and all the data goes in. We connect to all of the wayheads for animals uh, at the crush and actually immediately provides really detailed data feedback to them as they're weighing to help them improve their profitability and productivity of those animals. And so at the heart of it, we're taking what they're already doing and putting the power in their hands to really increase their profitability. And that's before we then get to the marketing and and trading side of the business. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that side of things then. The analogy we would use is you don't sell a car without a service history. So why should we be doing the same with livestock? And so we're actually providing that service history, bit, medical history, previous growth rate, about those animals so when they come to sell those the buyers can see them animals with credentials and so they can buy with certainty through an online platform farmers have a lot on their plate over the next five years with changes to pps and environmental pressures and everything else that's coming along and i think we designed this app to really help with farmers understand their own data prove out what they're doing on farm become more efficient and with that more profitable which we know is going to be a requirement given everything that's happening with subsidy changes over the next five years, but also the pressures that they have 
from the retail and processor supply chain to hit the environmental targets that we need to do as an industry over the next 10 to 20 years. Okay, and now one thing we've talked about a lot on the programme recently and indeed earlier on is connectivity. Breeders an online platform. We know what broadband's like in rural areas. How does Breeder cope with the problems of getting a signal? Yeah, so I grew up on a farm in Australia and trust me, mobile network (laughs) over there is worse than here. It works completely offline uh, and it will sync when you're then back in the house with a Wi-Fi network or, or when your 4G or 3G connects back up. So that was a key part of the usability for us. We, you know, I know the farming environment, it has to work as when you've got a 300 kilogram bull in pouring down with rain, charging at you. So um, very much the focus of the business to make it super simple for everyone. In fact, our oldest farmer is now 93. Who, his grandson got it into it and he uses it very, very regularly now. Now, all I'm seeing when I look at the Breeder website is a free app. There's no cost to this. If you're not charging for this service, what's your business model? How are you making money? Yeah, so the the productivity app to help farmers run their farm is all free. Um, But for us, we make money when we help you market those animals. So we'll charge between a a 1% and a 3% commission on the marketing of those animals. And farmers can market them direct through the app. They don't have to transport them anywhere to to sell them. And they get the certainty of knowing what price they've got before the animals leave the farm. And and we then secure that process. But we do take a commission on that. Because as you say, we are a business and we do need to make money on that. But we do it in a way where we are a strong believer unless we can help the farmer win, we shouldn't win. And so by doing that, they should be getting the best price. And then we uh, we get our return at that point. Okay, so you act as a broker if you've got buyers and sellers. You put the two together? Yes, exactly, on that side. And we also now have uh, finished beef contracts as well. So farmers are now able to actually get a future price for their animals with a minimum any time for the life of that animal, uh, which gives a huge amount of certainty to those farmers as well. So we're not just working farm to farm. We are now able to work with uh, the processes to be able to get that future price for a farmer so they can start to budget and plan where previously they were beholden to the market price on the day when they had to send the animals in. Ian, let's bring in Aidan Taylor, who's a cattle farmer at Digby. Aidan, you've been using the Breeder app. What first led you to try it? I originally looked into it um, for sort of recording recording my weight, weight data, um, but then... Um, delving, delving into it, 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 it runs alongside working with BCMS um, to, to move my cattle on and off the farm through the app. Um, I can uh, record all my sort of drugs usage, medicine usage. Everything's just in my hand as I'm walking around the cattle yard. It, it, it's there in front of me. I don't have to report back to a computer in the office. I don't have to worry about... Um, my, um, keeping up with my records on the pay, paperwork side of things, I, I inject an animal. It, it, I, I record it straight away. It's it, it done. It's it sorted. Made my life a lot easier. You found it useful, and is it an easy thing to use? Yes. Yeah. It's fairly fairly straightforward. Even if you're a non-techie, everyone assumes that because I'm I'm young. I'm only 26. I should be great with technology, but. I'm not. I've managed to uh, pick it up fairly quickly. It's really straightforward to use. It's well laid out, and uh, breeder they're always doing updates. If you if you do find that you have an issue, 
you contact them, the problem gets sorted. Overall, you give it the thumbs up? Oh, absolutely, yes. Absolutely. OK, thanks for that, Aidan. Ian, where can we find out more information about Breeder? Yeah, you can call us or go to breeder.co. Uh, we have a great support team in the UK and everyone's here to help and look forward to hearing any feedback that anyone may have and, and working with fun in the future. So that's it. let's just spell this because it's B-R-E-E-D-R, uh, not the conventional spelling of Breeder, so it's just breeder.co, yeah? Yeah, breeder.co, so B-R-E-E-D-R.co. <laughs> Great stuff. Ian, thanks ever so much for joining us on the programme this morning. No, thank you very much for having me. Have a good day. Now to see what the markets have been doing this week, here's Open Fields' Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. Prices continue on their downward trajectory despite the potential for a tight end-of-season stocks. Major importers, including Egypt, Algeria and Saudi Arabia, have been noticeable in their absence, whilst the third wave of the coronavirus in Europe is also being cited as a reason for the drop in demand. Interestingly, figures published this week in the USA indicated that meat sales from the United States were up 11% due to stay-at-home cooking during the pandemic, with 98.4% of households buying meat, which once again contradicts the demand destruction agenda which is trotted out to partly justify the drop in the market. Russian old crop wheat exports have nosedived along with prices now that have increased export tax by $50 and kicked the large inverse into touch against new crop. This is now narrowed to the point that there is little incentive for farmers to sell their old crop. They may now wait to see how their winter crops look and gauge spring planting's progress. Analysts have increased their Russian new crop estimates, citing better weather and less winter kill than anticipated, whilst benign weather in Europe has also raised production expectations. The US plains got some much needed rain, which were reflected in the improved crop condition this week, albeit from a very low starting level due to the prolonged dry spell that they have seen. South American maize prospects remain unclear and trade estimates are lower than the current USDA thinking. So looking at barley this week, malting barley usage for the brewing and distilling market has fallen by around 14% over the past year, the loss of circa 260,000 tonnes of malting barley demand. However, several of our maltsters have reported this week that they are seeing malt dispatches and malt orders pick up as brewers increase their brewing in readiness for pubs reopening outdoors, of course, on the 12th of April. There are a number of positive factors regarding the demand for malting barley for the marketing season coming. There are spring barley plantings that are currently being drilled. This will be a significantly lower overall compared to last season and particularly compared to Scotland. The availability of good quality 20 crop malting barley to tide maltsters over until the new crop is ready will be low and a good pent up demand for brewers and distillers will be ahead of lockdown as we all come to an end. All these factors should suggest that premiums for a 21 crop malting barley will be very good. Prices this week, wheat for March 194 to 197, May 197 to 200, August 159 to 161 and November 162 to 164. Milling wheat premiums for old crop are in short supply, so please speak to your farm business manager. Feed barley for March is 154 to 156, May 156 to 158, August 136 to 138, and November 143 to 145. Malting premiums for old crop are still £12 for a 185 nitrogen. Oil seed rate March 431 to 433, 
May 433 to 435, July 360 to 362, and November 370 to 372. Thank you very much. Thanks as ever, Kit, who can be contacted at openfield.co.uk. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. OK, let's see what we can expect weather-wise this week. Well, a windy, warm and mostly dry start to the week, turning colder as we see high pressure for the second half. Southwesterly winds in the 20s, MPH today. Very little rain and highs of 12 Celsius this afternoon. Mostly dry with some sunshine for Monday and Tuesday. Still breezy, but easing slightly from the southwest. Highs around 17 Celsius. Rain is likely overnight into Wednesday and for much of the day. The wind will ease off a little, but veering to the north, so turning colder, with a high of around 8 Celsius. And on Thursday and Friday, it stays cold, but mostly dry, with northerly breezes touching the mid-teens MPH, some sunshine and highs staying around 8 Celsius. Well, finally, a thank you to the Heckington and Sleaford Young Farmers Club for your invitation to speak on your online meeting last week. Good to virtually meet you. Uh, next week on the programme, sheep and Easter visitors. No, they're not necessarily the same. And less of me talking as we hope to have Sean Sparling back with some timely agronomy advice. Until then, stay safe and positive and have a good farming week. <laughs>